Hello everybody, welcome or welcome back to BNB Anime. I am Blue, that is Brad. We are going to be discussing My Hero Academia seasons both one and two. But before we get into that, how you doing? I'm tired. Yeah? It's been a long week. Not only has this week been extremely busy, mm-hmm. but also we decided to be sadists and watch two seasons of a metric shit ton of episodes for this week's episode. Yep, three cores. Yeah, so much. I had fun, though. I only skipped, like, the first five episodes of season one. Yeah, I I skipped through a couple of episodes, mainly when there was, like, a lot of just fight scene stuff that didn't have much dialogue. I do really enjoy watching the fight scenes, but it's a lot of... (laughs) A lot of anime to watch, and uh, and when I'm I'm kind of getting through it to go through the plot stuff, I was like, yeah, okay, I can skip through a couple of minutes of this every now and again. Yeah, I skipped through the first five episodes because I'm like, I don't want to watch her main character be a whining bitch for five episodes, so I'm going I'm to just skip that. Yeah, I remember him being whinier than I think he actually is in the show. I think in my own head, he's a lot whinier than he actually was. Well, I've seen the first season so many times at this point to where I think he's a lot more whinier yeah. than what he is. Like, if it's your first or second time watching through it, it's really not that bad. Mm-hmm. But whenever you've seen it so many times, I would rather eat myself off a bridge than have to put up with those first few episodes. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but other than that, I've tried something new this week, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've started playing Magic the Gathering. (gasps) Ooh, okay. I used to play Magic the Gathering way back in the day, like back when I was in high school back in the day. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a game on my phone called Magic Arena. Mm Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to relearn the mechanics because we had a game night with some of my buddies this past Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And I played the card game and they themselves were just getting into the game. They've only played for like a couple of weeks and their decks are not even like starter decks that are like Mm pre-built. No, they're just built from random booster packs. Oh, okay, fun. So they're themed, but there's no rhyme or reason to them. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of semantics. So I was like, fuck this. I hate it. I never want to play it again. Mm-hmm. But then one of my best friends was just like, look, download the game on your phone. Try it. It's pre-built decks. It's much more balanced. You'll probably enjoy it. Yeah. And all I can say is I don't hate it as much. Mm-hmm. There's still a metric shit ton to take in. So I still <laughs> don't know how I feel about it all. Yeah. But I'm definitely enjoying the game on my phone much more than I enjoyed the actual physical game because again that was unbalanced as fuck and I also lost 10 matches in a row due to bullshit yeah you know it's a lot to take in all at once there's a lot of reading (laughs) that that takes place you have to know a lot about uh, individual cards and but once you find a deck I feel like it's kind of the thing though is like once you find a deck that you're really comfortable with then you get a much more of a solid understanding of how the game works and then you can start adapting and changing as you go. But that initial gathering of that foundation for playing is really stressful, especially if you don't have anybody there that knows the game and can directly teach you. Like, lucky for me, my brother had been part of a magic group at university. Like, it was one of his, like, I don't know, extracurricular, I don't know, what are they called? Like, clubs. It was club. a club. That's yep. the word I was looking for. We watch um, so much anime. Of course we know it's I, clubs. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's just 
didn't come to my brain. Um, but yeah, he he was part of a magic club back in university. They played other games as well, but magic was was huge when he was in uni. And uh, so when he came home for the summer, he was then able to like teach me and he had like several decks that he had already established so that then he was like, okay, well, here's a deck that you can just use and find out what you like. And I ended up kind of putting together a black and green deck that I really liked and and uh, played a lot with him with that. And then there was, okay, this is a story. There was <laughs> um, this small basement, like, nerd shop in the city uh-huh. that was underneath all of these other stores. And it was in this, like, empty hall. And then there were just these cardboard boxes filled with cards for, like, every game you could imagine. And it was a, it was a real underground, like, nerd find. Like, literally underground. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, they had, like, cards and cards and cards and cards on stacks on cards and cards. And kind of like if you picture, like, an old comic book shop, it was that, but for, for trading cards and games cards. Mm-hmm. And they had a huge section for magic cards. And they had, like, glass cabinets with the really expensive ones behind. And they had to, like, unlock to get the fancy ones. And then they had just, like, ones that people had been trading and, and, and swapping out. And, like, big bins and just these old cupboard boxes that you just sift through for hours and hours. And um, the guy who ran the shop was a conspiracy theorist. An insane conspiracy theorist. And he believed it all. Lizard people, flat earth anti-vax because of nanobots being injected into your bloodstream the gray people living at area 51 like the walmart pentagon conspiracy theory where they're making a giant like pentagram connecting all the walmarts with underground tunnels that the military is traveling between he was a an insane dude who i often got into heated arguments with because of his stance on patriot, like patriarchal societies and feminism and that kind of stuff, like that side of things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but some of the stuff he was very entertaining by. Some of the stuff he just aggravated me very quickly. But yeah, the main point is we used to go to these this underground shop and just spend hours looking through all of these cards. And because my brother is quite badly colorblind, mm-hmm. he used to have to have someone kind of there with him to just help make the process quicker because obviously he could go through it himself but like if i'm if he's just like okay i'm looking for this card it looks like this it's just so much easier for me to just like quickly sift through you know mm-hmm. that was it was a, i don't know if it's still there it's one of those i don't know if it survived covid huh. i know the comic shop that we went to survived because they went through the whole like social distancing, mask mandating, all that fun stuff. So they were able, and they also did curbside pickup to where customers could still get their comics and everything else. So mm-hmm. everything kind of worked out for them, which I'm glad to hear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Alberta is, um, uh, yep. So. <laughs> but on that note, though, somebody got their first dose of the vaccine. I did. I did. I got my vaccine ye- yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> It's, it's destroyed my brain already. No. Um, so you good, mate? <laughs> yeah, no. I just forgot what day it was. Yeah, my arm is very sore. I had the reaction of just crashing. I just, I went and got the vaccine and about 15 minutes after I got home, I put myself to bed and then woke up like five hours later. 
that's just how my body dealt with it. It was like foreign substance in your body, bed. <laughs> yeah, that's how mine was. Yeah, yeah. So um, we were supposed to record that night yesterday, but uh, it didn't happen because I was asleep. Mm-hmm. And now I'm basically asleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're doing great. We're having a great time here. It, it is a great time. Yeah, I mean, I'm still pretty exhausted from it, but yeah, I feel like it's just, it, that's just how my body reacts to pretty much anything. Whenever I get a cold or the flu or a bug of any kind, I am one of those people that just shuts down and goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. My brother is having a reaction today. He was fine yesterday, but he has now got like um, hot sweats and uh, sore throat and a bit of a headache. So, but he, the only time he has been outside within the past like month really was to get this vaccine. So um, he either picked up COVID whilst getting the vaccine, which is horrifically ironic, or he, yeah, he's just having a bit of a reaction to the vaccine. But he, it's not bad. That or he has been slapped by allergies. He does, yeah, he does have allergies as well. Me and my brother both get allergies. My brother got allergies so bad that in primary school they were dissecting a daffodil, and uh, he swelled up so bad that they had to like make him leave the classroom, and then. Two years later, when I was in that same class with that same teacher, and it got round to dissecting the flower, they wouldn't let me do it and made me sit out in the hallway. And I got really upset because I was, they were like, do you have allergies? And I'm like, kind of. And they're like, go in the hallway. You're not allowed. <laughs> we remember and your no brother's reaction. No touching the flower. No, bad. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, no. But my reaction, my reaction has never been as bad as George's until we moved to Canada. And in Canada, my reaction has been so much worse. Than, than British allergies. But I don't know if that's just like I aged up and got more allergies as I aged, or I react to different plants. And over here, the specific pollen that's out here is this the stuff that irritates me. I don't know. Well, I was going to say, because I have a theory as to why allergies get so much worse as we get older. Mm-hmm. So here's my line of thinking. Mm-hmm. When you get older, obviously, because we're busy, we're working... You and I are also partial shut-ins because we (laughs) like to game and read and stuff and not spend so much time outside. Mm -hmm. Therefore, not spending so much time outside as we do when we're younger, outside playing and all that other stuff, our body doesn't have the ability to build up as much of an immunity to pollen and other allergens like it used to. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we become weaker to it and therefore allergies get worse as we get older. You know what? That actually makes a lot of sense. I feel like there's at least some basis in that. Um, because yeah, I used to be the kid that was like, my mom was like, okay, I'm putting you outside in the morning, come back inside when you're hungry, then you're going back outside again, come back inside when I call you for dinner, then you're back outside again until it's time for bed. Like, that's (laughs) how I was raised, you know? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like that's, that's very accurate. I spent, especially because, like, England has pretty mild winters in comparison to Canada, that is. It's still cold, but, like, you can put on a coat and hat and scarf and you're not gonna have to worry about frostbite, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. But out here, I spend six months of the year inside all the time. <laughs> yep. Unless I'm snowboarding. Uh, but there's not exactly, like, you don't have to worry about pollen when you're snowboarding, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, it's also, what else to say for you, it has something to do with you completely uprooted and moved to a new country. So therefore, that's a lot of allergens that you weren't used to. So that may have something to do with it as well. Yeah. And I feel like there's just a lot more pollen in the air so if you're going off of your um immunity theory then my immune system would have probably been surrounded by pollen a whole lot more in the uk than over here in canada 
because you like you get two growing seasons in the UK. You can fit in two crops in a in a season. Whereas out here, obviously, you can't because of the snow, the ground thawing, everything like that. So there's just like less pollen because it's less green around the time. So then when it does hit, you get like three months of intense pollen and then it backs right off. So for those three months, you're dying. So yeah, it makes sense. Your theory, your theory checks out in my brain. Aha, and I'm not even that scientifically smart, but if there's any basis to this, please let me know. I need my e-grow to grow just a little bit more. Get <laughs> your e-grow. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> I think that's the first time one of us have booed the other in a while. Yeah, it's been a little while since we've made some really bad puns. Looky there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have a question. Okay. Okay, so this is this is on topic for today, but if you could have a superpower... In the sense of, like, X-Men or My Hero-style, like, evolutionary adaptation, I don't know, like, change, what do you think yours would be? Like, based on your personality, what do you think it would be? Teleportation. Oh, nice! Just for the sole fact of, as much as I want to go to Japan, who the fuck wants to play for- or, fuck, pay for plane tickets? Mm-hmm. And you just sit teleport. in a plane seat for, like, 20 hours. Yeah, exactly. Whenever I get to teleport, be there instantly- and be good to go. Yeah. Now, I... on the other, if I had to choose, like, a men style ability, though, mm-hmm. I would have to go with, like, Deadpool and Wolverine's, like, regeneration. Yeah. Because think about it. You never get sick. If you lose an appendage, you can grow it back. You're and basically me a crab. Being the, yeah. Me being the chaotic, evil person that I am, the amount of shenanigans I could get into would be real. You would be the cheerleader. Yes. I still have that scene of her. This is a, I, I don't. Can you count it as a spoiler when the show's that old? But um, when she cuts off her toe, her toe in Heroes, mm-hmm. the first season, I still have that image in my brain. For, I think I will for the rest of my life. It's just that's one of those <clears throat> things that really got me squeamish, and I was like, ugh, no, yeah. that's gross. Nah, yeah. I, especially considering like all of the gore and injuries and stuff that she went through. Like she had her brain spliced open, but like that's chill. But uh-huh. it's it's her cutting off her own toe that that gets me. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. But yeah, what about you? What would your special select superpower be? I would really like it to be like controlling nature in some kind of way, but I feel like based on my personality, it probably wouldn't be something that cool. Uh-huh. I expect. <laughs> I don't know what, it, what I don't know. What do you think would fit my personality? I feel like some sort of alchemy, like oh, that's cool. I I feel like not necessarily like one power in general, but instead of like take the my hero world for instance, instead of being a hero, I feel like you would be more of like a support character mm-hmm. for the sole fact of with your amount of interest and abilities and with the like herbs and shit you like to deal with. I feel like you would make for a good alchemist. Yeah, I'm gonna join. Oh my god, why can't I think of her name now? The kissy healer. Oh yeah, uh, fucking recovery Miracle. girl. Yeah, recovery girl. Yeah, I'll join recovery girl. I'll be her best bud. It'll there be a great time. Go. We'll oh have a yeah. Fun time. See, it w- it would work out. Yeah. Um, also, her ability is great. It is great. She's OP. I wonder if if she can regenerate. Well, if she could, then technically, wouldn't they be able to fix a certain issue mm. if like true regeneration was an option yeah I suppose. I suppose but but then again because the way that her quirk works is that all it does is accelerate the recovery time 
Yeah. So therefore, it still burns through all of the energy it would take. But instead of a six-week period worth of energy, it's all of that energy all at once. Yeah. So the amount of energy it would take to theoretically regrow an appendage of some sort, I think that would technically classify as enough energy to drain somebody and kill them. Yeah, I don't think... It makes me question as to whether or not they could, like... This is kind of graphic, but, like, somebody cuts off their hand or finger or something, right? Uh Uh-huh. And uh, it makes me wonder if, with her ability, she could speed up the healing, and then you cut it again and speed up the healing again and slowly regrow it? I don't... But, like, humans don't work that way, but because of her ability, like, could you, like, trick it? Is there a cheat sheet? (laughs) Cheat codes? I don't know. Maybe it would be, like, in the essence of, like, a Resident Evil-style, like, goop juice healing thing, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah. Because that obviously has the ability to reattach a hand. Mm -hmm. So maybe if you took the cut-off appendage and stuck it back to where it was and then she used her quirk, then maybe it could technically heal it? Maybe. I don't know. It's a weird thought. It is. Yeah, then again, that's just that's just my thought. So on that note, what do you think would actually suit me for a quirk? Ooh, um, I feel like I could see something to do, just because of your physical stature, I could see something to do with, like, giantism or size could be a very, like, easygoing one for you. I want All Might's beefy quirk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that is the sound effect of, of you expanding. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you... I could see you having something to do with, like, lava rocks. Because <laughs> you like cooking so much, like charcoal uh-huh. and meat. I feel like you would, like, sizzle things. Like, you're not, like, flame or, like, explosion. I feel like you would just be, like, heat. Does I'm like a mild version of Todoroki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just realized how much funnier that is, like, (laughs) if you listen to how it sounds instead of in my head, because I was like, okay, light amount of flames, and I was like, mild version. It's like a weak buffalo sauce version of Todoroki. (laughs) Yeah, Todoroki is hot. You're just a medium. (laughs) He's like, how do you want your steak? Medium rare. Not well done, just medium rare. I'm just going to be medium rare. Yeah, yeah. Your superpower is medium rare. Oh um, my god. <laughs> no, but I feel like it would be like heat. And I could see it to do with something like with kind of like um the concrete dude and ember. Like, yeah, like an embering, fi- flaming rock lava pool thing. That's what I could see you. Yeah, you're lava girl. Yes. Yeah. I'll be shark boy, you could be lava girl. It'll be fine. Yeah. I do love sharks. <laughs> you do love sharks. Mm-hmm. Which, on that note, have you watched that, like, shark VTuber chick? No, I've seen clips of her. People keep sending me clips, but I haven't actually watched. I was going to say, every time I run across one on TikTok, I want to send it to you, but then I'm like, you know? Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to be that person. <laughs> There's been plenty of that person. My brother is one of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I could see it. Yeah. Just like, hey, here, thing with sharks. I've swam with sharks before when I was, like, very small. Yeah, not for me. I'm not going to do that. No. I don't want to I don't want to lose a digit. No. Yeah. No, I don't think I would do it now as an adult. I did it I did it as a child. Obviously, it was much safer than, like, cave diving, cave diving tank, cage diving. That's what I wanted with sharks. It was much safer mm-hmm. than that. But, like, 
you know when you're a kid and you have that I don't think of the consequences mentality. I'm just excited to do something. I'm invincible. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Now I don't have that anymore and probably would not go. Uh, whale sharks, absolutely. But like anything other than a whale shark, probably not. I mean, if they're small, then maybe. But like, yeah. You see, there's that like chaotic part of my brain that anytime opportunities like that present themselves, I'm like, ooh, I should do it. But then the rest of my brain is like, nope, nope, probably shouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things that sitting here at the desk, I'm saying absolutely not, no way. But if somebody were to be like, here's a free pass to go jumping with tiger sharks, like, a, like I may say yes, you know? I mean, I feel like it would be more applicable for you to say yes, because you love sharks. I do love sharks. And I understand that shark attacks, a vast majority of the time, are a case of mistaken identity. Or you've done something actively to piss them off. So I feel like if you're with the right people and they know what they're doing, then you're pretty darn safe. But also mm -hmm. you are dealing with wild animals and wild animals are predictable. So. So. Are unpredictable. I said predictable. Unpredictable. They're not predictable. <laughs> so here's a thought. If I were to pay for you to go cage diving, but also give you a shark plush, is that enough to convince? Yes. Probably. I figured I should have just offered the shark plush from the get-go. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you could have just said, if I give you a shark plush, will you go cave cave diving, uh, cave swimming? What is it? I don't even know what the word is. Cage are. diving. Cage. Cage. <laughs> I can't speak. I'm you blaming it. You obviously want to go cave diving. That's what I it is. I don't. Oh my God. No, that's scary. I, I wouldn't mind going like, there's those cave kayaking things in New Zealand and other places, but the one that I'm thinking of is specifically in New Zealand, where you can go like kayaking through a cave and it's much more uh -huh. open. And then there's like those globby worms on the ceiling that look really cool. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind doing that, but actual cave diving? No, thank you. That seems scary. I don't want to get trapped. That is... Yeah, no. Yeah, I... Like, just thinking about that, like, immediately throws me into a panic attack. Yeah. So, yeah. no, uh, not for me. Uh-uh. No. So, but here's another thing. Mm -hmm. So, just in the realm of anime alone, mm -hmm. out of everything that we've seen, if you could have any power out of all the anime that we've seen, what would it be? I mean, well, Todoroki's, it's really cool, having both that, hot and cold. I mean, considering what we know now, with us being caught up to the fifth season, mm -hmm. that shit's really fucking OP. It's really OP. Yeah. Uh, um, I could see why Endeavor did what he did, even though I don't like it, but I can see why. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's OP. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, but I feel like we had this conversation the last time we watched My Hero, the, the movie, because my brain is going back to being like, but I just want to be really good at tennis. And I feel like I said that last time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think... Well, we've also had this conversation a lot, like, back whenever you and I were streaming and, like, mm. first, like, really diving deep into anime conversations, we came across the thought of what is the most OP quirk combination of One for All and all of the quirks in the My Hero verse. Yeah, it would, I think it would be Todoroki because that's three quirks. But whatever you consider Bakugo as well. Yeah. Like, could you imagine One for All and that being mixed together? Yeah. Or once we do seasons three and four together, I have another theory of what could also be badass. 
Mm-hmm. But we'll get there. Even like Kirishima with his like hardening and then <laughs> smacking a punch, a solid punch. You're getting punched that hard with rock. Like even yeah. that would be, that would be insane. Uh, yeah, that would that would be horrifying. Mm-hmm. Ida's kicks <laughs> with with it would be nuts. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't mind being really, really good at like. I, I feel this is something you can attain just being a human, but like being really good at sword skills would be insane. So Kirito. Hmm. I feel yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't I just want to be able to do cool tricks with a giant blade of danger. You see, I would want one for all just with like Deku's version of full cowling, just because could you imagine how good at tennis you could get with that? <laughs> that is Prince of Tennis shit right there. Yeah, like Dude, the volleys and the smashes you could pull off with that. Oh my god. Yeah, that is switching to your left hand. Yes. So on that note, no joke. Like, if I'm ever out playing tennis Mm -hmm. and I get the opportunity to, like, actually do a smash off of a high lob, Mm -hmm. I'll literally just start shouting, like, my hero smashes. (laughs) Yeah. Just just for giggles, just because it humors me so much. Yeah. I get looked at like I'm the weirdest human being on the planet, but do I give a shit? No. No. Yeah, go for it. Have a good time. Why not? Oh, yeah. It's tennis. I'm not playing professionally, but even if no. I was playing professionally, I would totally weeb out. Yeah, why not? Have a good time. <gasps> Be too much. Go play it like Wimbledon or some shit and just wear a My Hero cosplay or like an All Might cosplay. Yeah. That would be sick. I would do that in a heartbeat. It would be. <laughs> so, news? Or do news. we have anything else to talk about? I just split my knuckle open, which is fun. But other than Mate. that... <laughs> I didn't realize my hands were that dry. Bubble wrap. Bubble wrap. Bubble wrap the blue. <laughs> news! Uh, gotta get it pulled up. I wasn't prepared. No! Okay, so, first piece of news... Demon Slayer is now the number two anime film of all time in the U.S. Nice. So it has officially earned 43.96 million to officially top Pokemon 2000. So it only trails one film to reach the top spot. Do you know what it is? No, I don't know. The first Pokemon movie is the only thing that stands in its way from being the number one film. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So, can you guess how much the first Pokemon film made in theaters? And this was back in the 90s, and anime was not that popular in the U.S. at the time. I have no clue. $85.74 million in its first run in the U.S. Nice. That is insane. Yeah. So, here's, here's the real question. With the way theater runs go in the u.s right now do you think it could ever topple it Mm, that's a good question um i guess it depends on how the the theater companies kind of bounce back from covid because i know a lot of people just aren't particularly into going to the cinema the same way that they used to but i feel like it wouldn't take much considering how much anime is becoming more and more and more mainstream and these new generations of kids that are growing up with it are not growing up with it like we did with like three or four shows. They're growing up with Crunchyroll and Netflix anime and Hulu anime at their fingertips, right? 
So mm-hmm. I feel like even if the amount of people that go to the cinema reduces, the amount of people that would go see an anime film has increased. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you could see it probably with... A, um, I wouldn't even be surprised if like a My Hero film coming out in the next few years does it. Or if they reboot something from our childhood or if yeah something new comes out that gets really really big and there's a, a film to do with the show i wouldn't be surprised if if something topples it in the next year or so well we have a new my hero film slated to come out in september mm-hmm. and by the time september rolls around the u.s seems like it's going to be back at like full operating capacity again yeah because with the cdc officially announcing that you're that you no longer need to wear a mask if you're fully vaccinated, no need to social distance, all that other fun shit. It, for one, not only gives people the, you know, want to go get vaccinated, but also, once that's all said and done, it's basically returned to life as normal. Mm-hmm. So therefore, cinemas will actually open back up again and basically be running at full operating capacity. Yeah. So if they do, then if Demon Slayer you know, contains a longer theatrical run, but also if they start to throw money into more advertising campaigns, I think the sky's the limit. However, with My Hero coming out in September, it's a brand new opportunity to take a show that's as absolutely massive as My Hero is and turn it into the next, like, Demon Slayer in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, I feel like there's four or five really big animes right now in North America that are doing very, very well on like the merchandise front. If you go into places that sell anime merch, there's four or five pretty consistent animes across the board that are always selling merch in those stores. I feel like those animes are going to be the ones that are going to have the best shot at selling out cinemas across Mm -hmm. North America. So you're looking at, you know, Dr. Stone, My Hero, Demon Slayer, Fruits Basket, and... I mean, even if, I feel like even if they just did like a, a reboot of something like a, a Naruto film or a Dragon Ball film or even a Pokemon film that was animated, obviously, because the last Pokemon film wasn't. I feel well, like the, those. There's a Dragon Ball film coming out next year as well. And I feel like that's going to be absolutely massive. Yeah, agreed. Because that's going to hit the new wave of, of kids that are just starting to get into anime. And it's going to hit that nostalgia factor for all of those old boys that have been watching anime for a really long time Mm -hmm. well dragon ball is one of the like old generation big three as Mm. weird as that sounds to actually say Mm -hmm. but the big three in shonen have basically always been for the past two decades naruto one piece and dragon ball like they've been a consistent staple our whole lives essentially yeah and so with the new film coming out i think the sky really is the limit for it but again my hero is one of the new generation big three yes so it too has the potential to set records in its own right Mm -hmm. will it be as big as what mugen train was i think only time's gonna tell Mm -hmm. but with restrictions being lifted by the time september rolls around it has a really good shot yeah agreed I feel like there's possibly the one downside to My Hero film is that there's so much more content beforehand. So with Demon Slayer, you could watch it and then watch the film, you know? 
Whereas mm-hmm. with My Hero, it's, a, it's probably a lot more daunting to people that haven't already been watching it. But at least the films give a little bit of recap. That's true. To where you kind of get a feeling. But also, even take the first film, which you haven't seen compared to the second film. But the first film is canon. But again, mm-hmm. you still get set up and introduced to the characters and kind of have that short explanation of what their quirks are. Mm-hmm. But then the second film, you know, you still get that little bit of nuance here or there, but it's not canon, so they can kind of have fun with it. I don't mm-hmm. know where the third film stands or what's going on with it. Yeah. However, I am, I think you can still get away with a lot whenever it comes to that. Mm-hmm. But then again, what do I know? I'm a shonen nerd. <laughs> can we get a Food Wars movie, please? Yeah, I wouldn't mind more food, food Wars content. Although I'm satisfied with the way that it ended, I also wouldn't say no to more Food Wars. I just want an OVA film. That's all yeah. I want. Mm-hmm. Just give it to me, please and thanks. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> so I only brought two pieces of news to the table today. However, the second piece of news I feel like is going to be a little bit of a talking point. So mm-hmm. that's why I brought it to the table. Okay. So, eBay has announced restrictions on adult anime, games, and manga that will be going into effect on June 15th. Okay. So, eBay uh, has sent out a notice to sellers listing items on its adult-only section that it will no longer be available to have those listings after June 15th. So, they're just going to take it down completely. Yeah. So they are officially forbidding the sale of any items showing sexual activity, sexual content, or sexually subjective poses as of the time stamped of June 15th. Right. And so that's including, but not limited to, anime, comics, books, and films of any sort of animation, manga, hentai, yaoi, or adult films and videos with a rating of... X, triple X, R18, or unrated for an adults-only audience. Right. Interesting. I have a feeling this is probably going to end up like Tumblr did back in the day. I don't think these websites understand... I mean, eBay has has a large site, like a large workings in other areas, so I'm not so worried about them like I was Tumblr, but like these companies, I don't think they understand how like um impactful that kind of the the adult content is to their workings of their sites because i know when tumblr went through that cleanse (laughs) um a lot of users just stopped using it because the censorship on it was so dramatic that they because there was a lot of sellers of of you know artwork and and fan fiction and and all kinds of stuff on there that then stopped selling their stuff on there and they found other places to go and in ebay it's going to be the same way it's not going to stop the content from being sold it's just going to change where they sell it right Mm -hmm. so what they've done is just leave a gap in the market for another company to come in and say hey we will specifically sell that kind of stuff and right now the the sex industry is is absolutely booming with OnlyFans becoming really like public and positive and people having a really good response to that and creators making all that kind of stuff, sex workers and film workers are having a, a... It's being shown in a much different light than it probably would have only a couple of years ago. So mm-hmm. eBay doing that is obviously what eBay wants to do. They're trying to keep their 
their site's more family friendly, but I would be interested to see how that impacts them financially and how that impacts the amount of people that go to their sites because it makes me wonder if like other people in the anime community, even if they themselves don't sell adult content, are going to move from that site anyway because the traction isn't there because the buyers are buying both PG and adult content and then everyone's moving to a different site so they move to a different site too, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, it's one of those things to where those items are listed specifically in the adult-only section. Yeah. So therefore, even if it's an effort to make their site more family-friendly, if those are listed in the adult-only section, then people shouldn't be allowed to have access to those sections anyway if they don't, you know, if they shouldn't be able to get into it. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, like are they going to stop selling all sexually explicit stuff or are they only going to stop selling anime stuff because if they're only stop selling it's all right okay but there's a new policy or the new policy also has specific exceptions for playboy playgirl mayfair mm. and penthouse magazines in the magazines category right. however it is stated as long as those listings do not contain nude images or explicit content which right does not make sense. No. At all. Yeah. So, I don't know. If I, it, it would be very interesting to have a look at their, their figures to see the amount of buyers that do move and the amount of sellers that move and what site they choose to go to to start selling their content. And and because, I mean, yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see where people go because it's, it is such a huge part of this community that is, that is this X-rated adult content. You can't go to a convention without there being sexually explicit body pillows and fan art and stuff in the, in the seller's hall. Like, it's part of the convention. It's why the restrictions are put in place and, and a lot of the stuff that you should view should be adult content, you know? I don't know. Yeah, but the fact that it's specifically listed animation, manga, hentai, and yaoi, which again are all, especially those last two, are very, you know, you know what you're getting into whenever yeah. you hear those things, at least if you're in the anime manga community. So yeah. targeting those specifically, it's going to be interesting to see where people kind of take those. But if anything, now would be a great time for websites that offer, you know, the same type of setup to really start an advertising campaign to kind of go after that market, whether it be on Facebook, Etsy, Instagram, what have you, where people are going to have those items or people that sell those items to kind of go out and try to start grabbing that demographic while you can, because mm -hmm. you'll obviously make your money with it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely left a hole in the market for a buy-sell site to swoop in there and, and advertise for it. And I mean, I'm all for, you know, sex-friendly places. Like, I, I feel like it's something that as a society, we need to be more talk, like, to be more open about, to talk more about, because that's how you keep people healthy and safe and all that kind of stuff is, is by talking about it and exposing it. And um, yeah, I don't know. It feels like it's kind of a step backwards for eBay considering how the way that society kind of is at the moment. Like, it feels like everyone is is pretty sex positive right now. And it's mm -hmm. unusual for me to hear of a company that is stepping back from that market. Because it it's a huge market that you can make a lot of money on. And I'm kind of wondering what their, their 
gamers with that, like if they've had a lot of pressure from people to step back or if if their like company morales have like shifted or what, like, cause it, it's, yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people sell, would, like, I feel like eBay is one of those go-to sites that you would sell and buy that kind of stuff from. Mm-hmm. Well, I would also say with the, you know, with COVID having become a thing, I'm sure the sales on stuff like that probably went through the roof with yeah. conventions and whatnot not happening. Artists need an outlet to kind of be able to sell those items. So whether it be through, you know, eBay or, you know, people posting commissions and stuff on social media, DeviantArt and all those other fun stuff, it you know, you would have to think that they are, you know, shooting themselves in the foot, essentially, with making a decision like that, especially with even though, you know, COVID restrictions are lifting. Shut up, phone. (laughs) But yeah, with those things lifting, it just doesn't make sense to make that kind of business decision. Because with things opening back up, you know, from an economic standpoint, things are kind of going to pick back up again. So if people have the money to spend to go out and be able to get things like that, that's not a good business decision, in my opinion, especially in today's climate. Yeah, I don't know. It it makes me very um, just curious as to where this decision came from, because it does feel like it's the opposite decision of what most large companies are, are going with right now. I mean, the amount of times that you go on YouTube and you see YouTubers being advertised by Adam and Eve, you know, it's mm-hmm. like... Just random YouTubers who don't have sexually explicit content are being advertised by a sex toy website. And so it, it, it feels like the world is becoming more sex positive and eBay is taking a, sec- a step back from that. And I feel like, but this specific community with anime and manga is expanding so quickly. And yet this is a huge part of that community for 18 plus folk. And it I don't know, it just feels like it would be a huge shot in the foot financially. I don't really get what their financial game is from this unless they have a an investor or something that is specifically telling them that they don't want that. Mhm. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah. It's such a weird decision. It is. Bizarre. But then again, what do we know? What do we know? We don't know business. We're, we're here to talk about anime, specifically uh, My Hero Academia seasons 1 and 2. Yes. So shall we shall we get into the background a little bit? Let's do some background. All right. So my hero was initially a manga written by Kohei Horikoshi. It was published in the Weekly Shonen Jump and has been running from July seventh of twenty fourteen to present for a total of thirty volumes. Mm-hmm. The television series for what we are covering this week was directed by Kenji Nagasaki. It is produced by Studio Bones, and for those who are unfamiliar with Studio Bones, they are very well known for Full Metal Alchemist, mm-hmm. Oran High School Host Club, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, Soul Leader, Mob Psycho 100, and most recently, Carol and Tuesday, if you're into, you know, fancy Netflix music animes mm-hmm. yeah uh it is rated a pg-13 and the second season specifically is the one that i'm looking at right now on my anime list is rated an 8.27 out of 10 and the first season on anime planet 
is a 4.468 out of 5. So both seasons are highly rated on the two different sites. Plenty of people have, vo have uh, voted, cast their vote on it. It's very, very highly ranked. Um, and uh, yeah, I feel like it's it's, it's well-loved. If you haven't heard of it before, I think you've been living under a rock. Uh, agreed. My hero yeah. is absolutely massive. And it's it's such a good show. It is. Like it definitely gets better with time and just continues to get better. So I'm not only was I looking forward to today's episode, but I look forward to covering later seasons down the road as well because it I only wanted to do this episode just for the sports festival arc in season <laughs> two, if I'm gonna be completely honest. Yeah. Um, I will say that I feel like this is one of those shows that people can get quite resentful towards if you haven't seen it. It's like me in Star Wars, so I completely understand. It's the, I'm not going to watch it because everybody else is watching it and I want to not watch it to piss you off kind of vibe. I've done that. I do that with Star Wars. I refuse to watch Star Wars because everyone tells me to watch Star Wars and it makes me not want to watch it. So <laughs> I get it if you haven't seen it because everybody's seen it and sometimes you just don't want to see things that everybody's seen if you're like me and you're annoying you do that so i get it uh, but i will say this is definitely a very very good watch if you haven't seen it and it is on your to watch list and is something that you are considering watching i would recommend bumping it up Start watching it pretty quickly um, up in here because yeah more content is coming very quickly there's a lot of content already out there and it's it's a really really solid show so Basically, very simple premise. It's a world of superheroes. They call their superpowers quirks. And it's based around some high school students, and specifically this one high school student, uh, Miria Odeku, who is, yeah, he's based around him and his discovery of himself and his quirk and how he gains that quirk. And then his relationship with a childhood friend slash bully. Um, and then his relationship with everybody else in the classroom, his idol, and them defeating the villains and trying to gain their license to become licensed heroes. And uh, yeah, just like him and his mission to become the number one hero. It is a very simple story, very simple premise, lots of action scenes, lots of really cool side characters, very good animation really interesting quirks uh, yeah superpowers that I haven't seen in like superhero films in mainstream there are some really unusual ones a lot of ones that physically alter the body as well um so it's not like just humans with different powers it's humans that physically are very different mm -hmm. um which is really cool I like that there's a lot of things that are are pretty interesting about it I recommend just yeah tracking it on giving it a watch the first season is only one core, so it's pretty tame to just start off with and consume if you haven't watched it already. You don't have to dive straight into the, I don't know, what is that, like 70 episodes now? Uh, 100 episodes. Okay. Yeah, you don't have to dive into the 100 episodes to start off with. I think the first season is only like 13, 12 or 13. So, yeah, yeah um, it, it's pretty chill to, to start off with. And it's, it's really, really solidly good. It's a very good staple anime and it's worth the hype. Oh, yeah. Like, without a doubt, it's shonen done right, and it's also superheroes yep. done right. Mm -hmm. So if you're a big fan of superheroes, DC, Marvel, all that other fun shit, this, if superpowers were a legitimate thing that happened in real life, this is how that would take place, in my opinion. 
Yeah. I, it would be regulated. You would have to be licensed to be a hero. It would be an actual job where you could make money. It is a true representation of how real life would be if that were a thing. So I I like it. Yeah, I Very really good. like it as well. There's a lot of like subtle politics that happen throughout the show of um because obviously some people have really powerful superpowers some people have like really minor superpowers but then there's there's elements to it where you see how our society they quite often refer to before superpowers became a thing but how like the transition happened and the the interaction of people how people were cruel towards each other when everything started going off there's a lot of these these subtle societal discussions that happen throughout the show that are really intelligent and really interesting to to think about that aren't shown in a lot of things like your regular. I mean, you see it some in like X Men with Rogue and and um, going to to get her powers removed and everything like that. You see it kind of there, but that's earlier. This is much later when when. Pretty much everybody has superpowers. So it's like X-Men is the very beginning when everyone when they're just starting to show. This is when superpowers are much more established. And it does kind of follow that same line of like how society is impacted, how politics are impacted, like you said, with licensing, everything like that. There there's a lot of that that is kind of sprinkled in around the back that I actually find so interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, like there's so many little subtle nuances in this that just really set the show apart from a lot of, from just a lot of its contenders in general. Yeah, agreed. So I watched this on Crunchyroll. Where did you watch? Did you watch on Crunchyroll or Funimation or what? I watched it on Funimation because I... I keep up with the show week to week on Crunchyroll because I don't mind the sub or the dub. They are both really good. Mm -hmm. However... For me, for a rewatch, I'm going to watch the dub because Sabat, as All Might, is just beautiful. I love it. 10 out yeah. of 10. Yeah. Um, I watch the sub every time. It's like I said before, it helps my ADHD. I focus more when I have to read the subtitles and watch the show. It, it gives me enough stimulation to where I don't get distracted. I really like this, the, the subs. I think the voice acting is really good in both the first and second season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's put those spoiler chicken hats on because there is one thing that I want to discuss right off the bat that I think may be a, a discussion point. I don't know. I'm curious. Okay. Okay. Spoiler chicken hats on. Right off the bat in the introduction of the very first episode and pretty much the introduction of all of the episodes thereafter, it is mentioned that Deku, this is the story of how he became the number one hero, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that takes away some of the danger of the show and like the um nerve-wracking feeling that you would feel during some of the fights because you already have that implemented in your brain this is already like you know the ending of the story no not in the slightest because especially as the show goes along and it gets darker and darker Mm -hmm. the danger becomes more and more real maybe not for our main character but for those around him Mm mm-hmm because especially going into, you know, the latter parts of season three and especially how the first arc of season four went, mm-hmm. danger's real, man. Mm-hmm. And it just continues to get darker and darker as the show progresses. So, no, I don't think so in the slightest. Okay. Because also it gives you something to look forward to because as the show progresses, because again, the show is about a main character that is quirkless obtains a quirk and then has to learn how to master that quirk because it's one of the most powerful quirks period 
Mm-hmm. And so it's more about the journey, I think, than how it all ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, I, I definitely feel like it does kind of soften the impact a bit, but I don't think it takes away from the show. I but don't. I, yeah. Again, I don't think so because, especially as season three and season four established, the school's obviously going to have a big three, and the big three mm-hmm. is essentially, you know, airmark to become, you know, the top heroes in the country thereafter. Yeah. Or the top heroes in the world, whatever. So I don't necessarily think it softens the blow in any way because, again, it's are you ever going to have a shonen that's going to have a main character that's not going to be the best? <laughs> yeah. I want a shonen where the, the main character is the support character. I would be fine with that because, yeah. again, I'm a big Vegeta person. Mm-hmm. And Vegeta's obviously never going to be the main character. Never. He's always going to have his ass kicked by Goku in the end. Mm-hmm. Or always play second fiddle. So therefore, I would be game for that. Yeah. But then again, it's like ReZero. You know, we all love Rim. Rim yeah. is like actual main character. So therefore, you know, I'm always down for, you know, side characters, you know, yeah. taking the lead role. Love side character spinoffs. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I didn't actually take episode by episode notes because we would be here all freaking night if we went through episode by episode for this. So I did just mark down things that just I found were, like, key points throughout the show or things that just, like, I don't know, random notes that came to my brain. So, let's start off with Deku's original montage. How do you feel about a montage? Because I love a good montage. And I feel like the the montage in the beginning of this show is actually really, really solid. I agree. Because, again, montages in any shape, form, or fashion, especially whenever they show growth, are excellent. Yeah. And again, seeing, you know, the backstory of a kid that all he ever wanted to be was a hero and then finding out he's not going to be able to is like, it tugs at your heartstrings, even, you know, barely having watched any of the show Mm -hmm. or it's like you feel for it, even though, again, like you said, it kind of spoils him becoming the number one hero from the off. Mm -hmm. But I don't. Again, we all love a good montage. And seeing all that and then seeing his training montage to be able to inherit the quirk of the number one hero is, you love to see it. Yeah. Yeah, they do a really good job of establishing the dynamic between Bakugo and um, Deku right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And the the complicated relationship that those two have, because obviously... It is a complicated relationship. There are feelings of positivity and negativity towards each other. And Deku is kind of, Midoriya is, he's a bit of an idiot, you know? He's incredibly intelligent, but socially he's not. Mm -hmm. He has a high IQ, but not such a high EQ. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I don't know, it's a a very realistic relationship that those two have. Mm -hmm. Not a good one, not a healthy one. Do not recommend. No, no, Uh, definitely Definitely not. No, but I feel like it's common, unfortunately. Um, but then, yeah, that that one, I have like that silhouette of um, him standing on top of the, the garbage pile of when he finally cleared off the beach in my brain yep. of mm-hmm. being like, I feel like that's such an impactful moment right off the bat, right early on in the season that really establishes how the rest of the series is going to go. Mm-hmm. Because again, it just shows and unmatched work ethic and again not to take this show and compare it to demon slayer by any means but it just kind of goes to show that with this being kind of the focal point of a main character that kind of 
you know, actually had to work his ass off to achieve what he wanted to achieve, I think it definitely set a precedent for shows like Demon Slayer that do a phenomenal job of, you know, showing the main character that actually has to work to get what they want. They're not just OP from the get-go. Yes, yeah, and another thing that I really like about My Hero, although this specifically happens more in the later seasons, in the in season two, yeah, more, is the establishment of injury and how that affects them. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is a show that has healing abilities where somebody is there that can like magically heal them all up and everything. But as we previously stated, they're not. It's not like crazy healing. It is just speeding up your own recovery process. So if you do injure yourself, there are permanent consequences and there are characters that are in this show that like gain muscle and then scar and then inability to use to with function and all this kind of stuff and I feel like that is such a subtle but important part of the show that you don't often see in in shonen animes mm-hmm. so the main premise of our main character Midoriya or Deku getting his quirk is he stumbles across his childhood hero, All Might, who is the number one hero in the world. And he discovers All Might's secret in that All Might has been fatally injured, so he's only able to use his quirk for three hours a day at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. And But not only that, but All Might also discloses to him that his quirk is a power that has been passed down from person to person to where I think All Might is the eighth individual to have inherited the quirk and Deku becomes the ninth. Yeah. And so it becomes established that due to All Might being fatally wounded to a certain extent, he is looking for a successor to pass it down and therefore, you know, he deems Deku worthy enough to yeah. do it because... There's an incident with, with a slime monster, and yeah. Yeah, because he is obviously a quirkless kid, and All Might knows this, yet whenever people who actually have quirks were afraid to jump in and help Bakugo, who's being, you know, devoured by a slime monster, it just goes to show that, you know, obviously if a kid's willing to risk his life, even though he has absolutely nothing to save his friend, then there's, you know, it All Might just found him worthy of inheriting it, I forgot where I was going with that. I had a point. I started off with a point, but then I just started storytelling. I don't know. I don't know, mate. But yeah, so Deku ends up with the power from All Might. Um, Bakugo's incident with that slime monster is constantly referred back to, even in season two, which I find hilarious because he hates it so much because he felt so helpless in that situation. But I love that they keep referring back to it. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of subtle stuff they do keep playing back to that they always keep referring to, like Bakugo Mm -hmm. wanting to be the only kid in his school to have gone to the academy. And yet Deku also went there. And and quite a few times after that, when they're arguing, Bakugo will bring that back up again, being like, well, you didn't listen. I'm annoyed at you. Mm -hmm. Whenever it's been established from the off that, you know, Deku's main goal was to get into UA because that's where All Might went. Yes. Like, Deku is major All Might fanboy. Yeah, crazy fanboy. Like, his entire bedroom is covered in All Might. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's All Might very quickly becomes like a father figure, not just to Deku, but to quite a few of the other students in the classroom as well, but specifically to Deku because he's taken him under his wing as his apprentice. So... Uh, it and Deku doesn't uh, at this point it is unknown 
about Deku's father. You only ever see his mother, so... If you pay attention to fanfics, you're going to run across some crazy theories that make a lot more sense the longer the show goes on. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've had quite a few theories about um, All Might and uh, Mrs. Midoriya, so... um... Although, there's another theory that I think intrigues me more. Yeah? That instead of, you know, it being All Might... It's all for one. Yeah, actually, I I think you have told me that theory before. Both of them are excellent and very intriguing. However, I think I like the prospect of the latter more than the former, just because the amount of avenues that that would open up. It does. It makes things... Especially considering what you learn in the second season, where it was believed that he was quirkless. Or, like, mm-hmm. that... that all for one, one for all. I they're the same thing backwards. I always get them confused. One of them yeah. who then went on to create, who then went on to pass the thing to All Might. He was believed to be quirkless, and he, that was then forced upon him. But then it manipulated it to create the awful one that was then passed down to Deku. So you know, mm. it would either way. There, there is relation to it. It's very interesting. I think that both theories are this. Todoroki also came up with the same theory. So you know. About it mm-hmm. being, about All Might being his, about Deku being All Might's secret love child. So, you know. Yeah. I, it's hilarious to think about because although it's not the truth, the fact that Todoroki came so fucking close <laughs> to figuring out the truth is wild. Yes. Yeah. Very smart kid. Definitely the child of the number two hero, without a doubt. Yes. So, moving on to the next big plot point. What did you think about the intricacies? entrance exam to ua and also our first introduction to ida ida is kind of grumpy right off the bat he seems like a very stuck up spoiled kind of person but um he's a, he's a big old sweet boy and i love him he is such a like squishy little bean um even he's though he's a very relatable character if yeah. that makes sense especially with the latter half of season two Oh, yeah. Yeah, he really gets some depth built in the second season, but he also has that Mm -hmm. real goody two-shoes, honorable, like, Hermione-ish streak. He actually reminds me of Hermione a lot in his character, of being like, I'm gonna be perfectly good, goody two-shoes, you messed with my friends, you broke my morals, I'm gonna destroy you kind of character, you know? Like, Uh he's he's very black and white, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. But then finds himself in in the gray because of his black and white morals, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is it's very very relatable. I think he's I think he's a very interesting character. He does come off with an uh, his initial first impression though isn't the best. No, definitely not. No. But also, can can you really blame him because he wants to take the entrance exam seriously and Deku is just mumbling his head off. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is consistent with Deku. He does that all the way through. I actually, yeah, it, that's one of the things that I really like about Deku as a character as well, though, is that he is so intelligent. I And, and it's not necessarily intelligence from just being gifted and born that way. He has put in notebooks worth of work on studying strategies and quirks and abilities and ways to use those abilities and, you know, working everything out to the point where he is able to think on his feet during fights and training and everything like that in ways that the other students aren't able to because he's already had years and years and years of study put into it because he wasn't born with a quirk. So yes, he's delayed, like he's behind in the quirk, but he's advanced in the strategy. Mm -hmm. So whereas his classmates are learning strategy in class, 
he's learning how to use his quirk. Mm-hmm. They're like complete opposite of each other. And I really like that part of his character. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, so big robot monsters fighting them. <laughs> and yeah, I feel like it also gives us another side to Uraraka right off the bat as well with her then going to Mr. Mike and being like, hey, can you like give him some of my points because he saved me? I don't know. I thought it was a very simple test idea, but um, I like that uh, Ido thought that he um, had figured it out and he hadn't at all. Yep. Yeah. So the entrance exam, there was like a written part of the test and then there was a physical part of the test where they had to destroy giant robots and different robots were worth more points. However, you know, of course, Bakugo is absolutely shattering the leaderboard because of course he is. Yeah. And then Deku with him, he doesn't even know how to use his quirk. So he's just running around scared, and he's like, oh no, what am I going to do? And then we're introduced to Uraka, who keeps Deku from falling on his face before going into the entrance exam, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. Have you have you seen the abridged version of that scene? No, I haven't. You there? Hello? I am here. I haven't. Oh, uh, okay. So it's hilarious, because that look of like Deku going white face and falling, and he's like, oh, I want to die. <laughs> and then he stops immediately. He's like, oh, I'm saved. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I feel that. I feel that in like every fiber of my being. Oh yeah, I get that too. So then uh yeah, they have the big fight with the robots, that's the practical exam. Deku was just given his powers that morning and they take a little while to digest, literally. So uh he hasn't actually Eat used this. them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His his face in season two when they when they call back to that and he does the all my impression is hilarious. And in season four, whenever he does his internship with Night Eye, yeah, Sir Night Eye, and he like contorts his face <laughs> yeah. to do that. Night Eye's not having any of it. Yeah, I love that. It's really funny. Um, yeah, so uh, fighting big robot monsters, then he big giant robot monster comes out last minute and uh, Uraka is caught under some rubble, but Deku runs to save her and uses 100% of his power that completely destroys his body and manages to destroy the robot though and save her and then she in turn saves him. Then it's revealed, because he didn't get any points from killing all of the robots, then it's revealed afterwards that they are also scored on hero points or like savior points. So if you do something that is worthy of a hero, then you are scored on that as well. So, mm-hmm. but they weren't initially told about that. They were only told about you get points per robot that you take down. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, so he ends up passing the exam and going to school, which is where then... we are introduced to Aizawa, the teacher. I love Aizawa as a character. I relate. Yes. I, d- like, I, I feel like I relate, relate more to, to Aizawa as a person than any other character. <laughs> yeah, I especially relate to the sleeping bag situation. Uh, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a worm. I, we can't even explain that. Just just watch it, please. Yeah. It's not going to make sense if we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Aizawa and All Might kind of have the same relationship that Bakugo and Deku have just developed into adulthood. Because right off the bat, there is some tension between the two of them as teachers, one of them being grumpy towards each other, but you can also tell that there is a very strong, like, bromance, I guess you could say, between the two of them. 
It's like a trust bond yeah. in a sense. Yeah, like they've spent a lot of time working together and, and building that relationship and they do very much trust each other, but that doesn't mean that they don't butt heads and sometimes are petty towards each other, which is how yeah. we are initially introduced to their relationship when Aizawa immediately takes a less than pleased approach towards Deku because he doesn't believe that he is necessarily like good for the program because of how much he physically hurts himself by just using his quirk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then they have like a uh, initial test on their first day where they are like learnt to figuring out how to use their 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 powers and um but uh, to use their powers in a more general sense. And, and they're just trying to, like, gauge the upper limits of what they're actually able to do yeah. with their powers. And also, Bakugo finding out that Deku actually has a quirk. Because mm-hmm. yeah. Bakugo didn't know shit about what happened during the intricate exam. But he found out really quickly that, you know, like he legitimately felt betrayed because he thought Deku had absolutely zero quirk. And then Deku eats a baseball and breaks his finger in the process. But yeets the baseball like what seven hundred and fifty one meters or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And Bakugo's just like, oh, yeah. Well, he believes I'm gonna that kill he, him. Yeah, he believes that he kept it from him from the age of four because that's when your quirk like shows for the first time, and he mm-hmm. believes that he kept it from him from all for all those years. Which is, I mean, yeah, you absolutely would feel betrayed, especially considering that when they were younger, they were really, really close. It was only when they got really to middle school that they that their relationship changed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, so it, it would, it would definitely feel like a huge betrayal. Um, so that's understandable, but yeah, so that quickly happens. And then school stuff happens. Um, simple things like them designing costumes and getting introduced to more characters, lots of fun things like that. And then we are thrown into a pretty big arc. It's like the arc of season one, really. The attack at the USJ. Yes. So they're it, supposed to be doing a training program thing where they're they're in a like dome of different worlds. So it's like, you know, a, a sand world and a cityscape and an ocean area, you know, and then they're supposed to go through like saving practices and uh, and trying to like save people. And uh, when they're there, a whole band of villains show up with the target of killing All Might. But All Might, with his power ability having decreased to only being able to use for three hours a day, use that all up on on the way to school that morning by saving people, you know, that he just got caught up in, in multiple situations and ended up using all of his power. So then... He gets to the school and he has to hide away in the in the teacher's lounge. And then all of these villains show up. And this is when we get to see Aizawa being freaking awesome. Yeah, dude's a badass. For somebody that only has a quirk, that erases others' quirks as long as he doesn't blink. Yeah. Dude's a badass with that scarf. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but you're introduced to a villain that is exactly like Deku when it comes to levels of intelligence. Mm-hmm. But he is, their characteristics and mannerisms are very different. Yes. Yeah. And we're also um, introduced to a, like a fake. um, Giant bird beefy thing that has a plethora of quirks. Yes. Yeah. 
and who is very, very difficult to beat. And yeah, then there's also a bunch of other smaller villains. This is where we get to kind of see, because up until this point, you are seeing what the other students' quirks are, but this is kind of the first time where you get to see the entire classes, I would say. Mm -hmm. Because you get like snippets of certain ones throughout the rest of the first season, but this is where you get a really good display. It is re-enforced later on during the sports festival of the second season, but yeah, you get to see a good display of all of the different quirks of different people. And it's also where we're kind of first really introduced to Todoroki Mm -hmm. and the level of his insane abilities. We're also delightfully introduced to Minata and his perverted ways, but that is very subtle compared to how it gets in season two, which is very yeah. subtle compared to how it gets in season three and four, etc. Uh, he just gets yeah. worse and worse. But at least it comes in short bursts, so it's not terrible. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it... it So, Minetta is basically a... You know, typical anime old man, if that makes sense, just in a small purple bald form. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> he's very very creepy. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 bad. It's real bad. It's awkward and cringe. And um, yeah, the comments to read on him though are hilarious, and I appreciate you guys who write comments on anime. Um, I wish you episodes. could view the comments on mobile because I don't watch anime on my PC mm-hmm. because, ick. Yeah, no, I watch it on my laptop, so I do get to, to view those comments, and I will have to write down a few of them. I do have one. Um, I was going to say, if you have them, like, screenshot them and send them to me. Yeah, I will. I'm, I'm oh, innately curious. Okay, somebody mentioned that Todoroki looked like Prince Zuko in the comments <laughs> from um, The Last Airbender. I could see that. Yeah, and that was the one that made me chuckle. I was like, yes, relatable. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, the cracking of Aizawa's elbow, exposure of the muscle without bleeding, ugh, that made me really icky. That I didn't like that at all. <laughs> Hit my gut. Yeah. yeah, that was gross. And then, like, it made me really uncomfortable to watch that beatdown that Nomu gave him, too. Yeah. Like, I don't get very squeamish watching stuff like that, but literally, like, the way that he twisted and contorted him and just snapped his arm like a twig, mm-hmm. that was that was very uncomfortable Especially, to watch. Yeah. But that fight between All Might and Nomu was just... Gorgeous. It was. I feel like it was especially uncomfortable with Aizawa, though, because you had just started to like him. Mm -hmm. They did that very quickly. It was like, grumpy teacher, he's being especially mean to main character, we don't like him, okay, he's kind of really awesome, he just had this huge fight scene that's really sick, he's protecting all of his students, he's actually a really good teacher, oh my god, he's gonna die, no. And it was like... Very quick succession, a lot of emotions to feel towards this character, and you just start to really, really like him, and they really, like, affirm that status of, he's a good guy, and then all of a sudden he goes through all of this, and you're like, no! And it makes it so much worse. Mm, Like, you don't expect the show to kind of kick in that real sense of danger right off the bat, Mm -hmm. but then it's very quickly established that, no, like, shit's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Although shit, like doesn't really happen i guess until season four mm. yeah i Is mean season four the stuff whenever, with like Ida, the first like real tragedy happens yeah i mean i the stuff with Ida's brother 
kind of establishes it in season two, but he's not mm. a character that you know yourself. He's a character that you know through other characters. So yeah. So I mean, again, like the show from season two on just starts to get darker and darker. Yeah. To the point to where I think tragedy finally strikes in season four, and then you're just like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. nothing is off the table anymore. Yeah. Kaminari is adorable when he when he gets to um, electrode out. Yes. He's just great. Just because his brain short circuits, and I feel that. Yeah. No, he's great. He's one of those ones that I feel like should be so much more powerful than he is. And he's one to watch out for. I feel like he... With a yeah, I I would I would like to see him as a third year student, you know. So eventually in season five, I don't consider this a spoiler, but he gets a support item to where he can actually target his electricity with sticky discs. Oh, cool! So the point that Yairozu makes whenever she's like, "Why didn't you ask for an item that could actually help you pinpoint?" and he's like, "I didn't think about it." Well, he eventually gets it. It's nice. just you know, takes four some time. seasons later. Take some time. Yeah, just, just a little bit just of time. Just a little bit. And poor 13 as well. 13 is introduced and then devoured like that. It's like, new character and we killed him. Yep. Um, just because, you know, let's let's take a character that can create black holes and then have them black hole themselves. Yeah, yeah. They didn't die, thankfully. But no. oh boy, you, you get real close. worried on that one. Yeah, yeah. And, and they really did like play it out to make it look like he was dead for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. And then, again, back to that fight between All Might and Nomu. That was that was sick. But then yes. also watching all the kids get involved, or I say all the kids, but Kiyoshima, Bakugo, Todoroki, and Deku get mm-hmm. involved. Yeah. That's sick. Yes, I just need to check a character real quick. Actually, you might know her name. The Invisible Girl? Nope, don't know her. She's invisible to my brain. Toru. Um, <laughs> um, I, there was just a comment that was like, hey, how did she pass all of Aizawa's physical tests? Because she's just invisible. Here's another thought. Mm-hmm. Would Aizawa's test turn her back visible? Or his <gasps> quirk turn her back visible? Yeah. Because then we finally get to see what she looks like. And I don't think we've seen what she looks like up to this point. No, I think we've seen her like covered in fluids which sounds really bad but it means that we've got like a silhouette of her but we've Mm. never seen like details yep nope also i just have um it's a secret sparkles written in in my notes (laughs) from what's his face with the belly button laser being like hey you want to know how how i did this thing you want to know you want to know you want to know and there was like fine what and he goes it's a secret and then sparkles I, I love it. His character is humorous. He's so funny. I actually thought that he would be more annoying than I actually find him. I think they like, do him in such like sparse amounts that I don't find him ridiculously annoying. Although his like usage at the very end of season four, whenever he's really creeping Deku out, that's great. <laughs> so yeah, uh, let's jump into season two, where we finally get introduced to Todoroki like properly. Um, as the sports festival starts. And we get some backstory on him right off the bat, but we don't get his full backstory until later on in season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you find out that he is Endeavor's son, mm-hmm. and but you also find out that he only uses his 
left side. Right side, which is uh, his right. icy side. He yes. refuses to use his fire right. side because he doesn't want to be reminded of his dad because he has very, very deep resentment for his dad, but you find out why later on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, But also, sports festival. Also it's badass. Yeah. So the sports festival they kind of describe as being like the Olympics of um, modern day Japan for them because, of course, mm-hmm. the Olympics kind of deteriorated with the advancement of physical abilities. So it wasn't as like popular and then this sports festival at the school became a televised event and it became like everyone's favorite thing to watch and, and get really excited for every year and it's also a huge thing for the students because they get to kind of present themselves to other heroes to possibly become a sidekick for them in the future sponsors um companies like it's a big thing for the students to be able to advertise themselves and so, yeah, we start off with a, like, an obstacle course race type thing with all of the students from all of the years. We're also now introduced to other classes because we are in hero class 1A, but there is um, 1B as well. And then there are, like, the business course and the support course and, like, other courses that aren't the hero course at the academy as well. So we're introduced to students from different areas of the school, which is cool. And, um, yeah, so it's just them running the race and we get to see Deku using his brain and smarts and things to do fun things during this race. Also, can we just appreciate the fact that Bakugo was right in calling all of the other classes extras? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, just the fourth wall break on that, just very subtle, is very tasteful. I like it. Yes. Yeah, so we get to see the the, the re-emerging of the big giant robot things. And we also get to see Mrs. Midoriya at home crying over the TV because she's like, run away, Deku, run away. Well, Izuku, run away. <laughs> it's very cute. We love moms. I love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, very, very much number one contender for best mom. Yeah, yeah. She has a bit of a rocky start because of one thing she said to to Deku when he was a kid and they do kind of like it definitely had a huge impact on him throughout his his growth as a youth um mm-hmm. but it's not that she said it from a bad place it's just that she was upset as well and didn't really know how to handle a situation like that and felt guilty mm-hmm. because like she couldn't pass on her quirk to him but just just how like much she makes up for it once she finds out that Deku has a quirk is just like you could tell she's just so happy. Yeah. And she would have, like, she would have supported him regardless. She would have backed him no matter what he did. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's just good mom. We like her. Oh, yeah. So Deku ends up winning the first race bit, and he is awarded 10 million points um, because of it, which is the tad extreme because everyone else gets, like, 100 or so, you know, a couple hundred. Um, and uh, then they have to play basically chicken. <laughs> With, uh, yeah, a bunch of, uh, like, making small groups, and they have these headbands, and it's kind of like tag rugby combined with chicken. Yeah, or flag football yeah. for Americans. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they have headbands that have their number of points, and they are scored off of the, like, most amount of points. Race, yeah. And so, therefore, Deku has the biggest target on his back because he has a headband worth 10 million points. Yes. So, this uh, is, yeah, we just get to see more different people with different quirks doing different things. And um, it's a 
yeah, it's it's just like a really intense fight scene with interesting people doing interesting stuff, which is cool. We like it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We love to see it. Um, then we're kind of, like, introduced to, like, Todoroki's more of his backstory kind of stuff. We're also, like, the establishment, this is what I was talking about earlier with, like, the, the societal influences, where we learn about quirk marriages that are now, like, heavily discouraged, and, and I don't know if they, it's specifically illegal, but yeah, they were, like, arranged marriages between people to create the best quirk combination they can in their children, which is specifically what happened with Endeavor, um, and Todoroki's mom, with him having flame powers, him being the number two hero, him being able to have incredible influence over society and a lot of wealth, him then targeting her family, her family then signing her over basically to him to then have children with, him then basically using her as a baby factory until he got his perfect child, which then became Todoroki with his 50-50 split of being able to use both fire and ice, unlike his siblings who had one or the other, or if they had both, one of them is a lot weaker than the other. Mm -hmm. But he's the only one that was like 50-50 split. Um, And yeah, it just kind of like establishes his dad was big dick, but we learn about how much more big dick as story goes. Mm Mm-hmm. And then also seeing, like, just, you kind of get real uncomfortable seeing what Todoroki's mom does to Todoroki. Yes. Because instead of taking it out on Endeavor, she took it out on Todoroki and just poured, just poured boiling water over his fireside. Yes. Of his face. Which is how he gets the Prince Suko comparison. Yeah. And it was also, it is also established she is mentally ill and she is in a mental hospital because of that, but also... Like, child abuse? Like, nah, not cool. Not only that, but, I mean, I think it's very heavily implied that there's domestic abuse as well. Because it seems like he takes out his frustrations for not being able to have a split 50-50 child with, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But then, later on, you find out that he's still a dick, but not as big of a dick? Yeah, and Endeavor was also a big dick towards Todoroki as well, because he isolated him from the rest of his siblings, and physically assaulted him whenever he didn't do as he was told with his training, like if he wasn't capable. Um, And Mm -hmm. he's like five years old at this point. He's very, very small, just established his quirks and uh, is going through all of this rigorous training to become the number one hero, to be able to be a better hero than All Might. And yeah, when he doesn't do something, he gets beaten. So not cute. It's obvious that, that Todoroki has very reasonable resentment towards his father and a very confused and hurt love towards his mom who was always very gentle with him and very kind with him and understood that what he was going through was very difficult and sat by him a lot of the time but then also gave him a very very traumatizing experience and yeah it's he's obviously very conflicted about it he loves his mom very much but doesn't know how to deal with the whole situation yeah mm-hmm So then they go through individual fights. So it's a one-on-one fight to go through the rounds because people have been eliminated all the way up until this point. And they are paired with each other to then, yeah, have their, like, battle off and then progress up through the tournament. So we get to see a couple big fights right off the bat. We get to see Sero and Todoroki. Todoroki absolutely destroying him. Yeah, we get to see Shinso having a bit of a storyline with his, like, hypno-dude thing. Um... And he's in the business course, I think. Yeah. 
No, he's in general studies. General studies. Okay, cool. And then Deku breaking out of the brainwashing by breaking his own fingers, like so. Oh yeah, and then he gets to see fingers. the other the mem- other members of the All for One brain thing, like again, mm-hmm. like the Last Airbender. Yep. Uh, yeah, we're we're relating to the Last Airbender today. Hatsume's lo- uh, absolutely nuts, but uh, I love her and her babies, her crazy machines. She's great. She's hilarious, mm-hmm. and she is a an actual reoccurring side character. She comes back. Mm-hmm. She comes back a bit more, I think, in season three. Yeah. But love her. She's cool. She is cool. And this is also where I started to see some complaints in the comments about the intros for the episodes being too long. You see, you can literally just skip to the three minute mark yeah. and skip over it because it gives you a, like for this, it's more of a like recap and then intro. Mm-hmm. So if you skip to the three minute mark from like the last half of season one through season two, if you skip to it, you'll be fine. Yeah. But yeah, it's very Shonen-esque with the recaps yeah. and introduction. So yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ayama's belt actually holds his trousers up. Yep. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. I mean, I was because I'd nope. seen it before, but like also I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, his belly button belt, he has got some high-waisted trousers. Um, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then Bakugo versus Uraraka. That was a... Love that fight. I love that yeah. fight. I love the fact that, that he took her excellent. seriously. I love mm-hmm. the fact that it was a conversation in the show with the audience being like, hey, you should take it easy on her. She's a girl. And him not taking it easy on her because he doesn't consider the fact that she's a girl part of the equation. He's just mm-hmm. facing an opponent. And then her being able to put up a really, really, really good fight. I thought it was a fantastic concept, a really good fight. It brings up a really solid, you know, societal double standard. Mm-hmm. But not only that, but it seems like it's such a mismatched fight. But Uraraka was just showed some very, very intelligent, like, strategizing Yeah. in that fight with, like, her final attempt at getting him out. Yeah. Yeah, and she fought until she couldn't fight anymore. She she gave it her all and he he took her really seriously all throughout. She took him seriously throughout. She wanted to fight on her own with her own brains, with her own strategy, with her own ideas. And I yeah, I thought it was a really really solid fight. I liked that. Mhm. And then the fight that we're all here to talk about in the following episodes is Deku versus Todoroki. Yes. Yeah, so we do get some more of Shadoroki's backstory here. Same thing what we previously talked about, but this time we actually get the visuals to it, which is mm-hmm. um, intense to see. Yeah. And then we have to appreciate Deku's data collection as well. Just just saying. Like, his notebooks are... Right. They're like, in- he, he takes that shit real seriously. Yep. And then there was a quote in the show. I, it was in the subs. I don't know if it was in the dubs as well. That I really liked just for like regular life as well. For a lot of people, I feel like this quote would be very relevant to them. Um, but yeah, it's you don't have to live as a you don't have to be a prisoner of your blood. I can't even speak. You don't have to be a prisoner of your blood, which I really, really mm-hmm. liked. And I can't remember who said that to Todoroki or if I don't know if it's Deku or somebody else who said that to him. But I really like that quote. It's solid. I feel like a lot of people have asshole family members that they don't want to be like a, a parent specifically. That's like, I don't want to be like you. And I feel like I, I am following your footsteps because of our blood. It's like, you don't have to be a prisoner of your blood. It's a good quote. Yeah. I feel like it was either Deku or Bakugo. Yeah. One that of said them. it to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, we get to see a really big fight. We get to see Todoroki using his fire side. We get to see Endeavor supporting him with his own crooked, selfish ways. Like, he's he's not supporting mm. his son because he wants his son to win. He's trying to establish dominance. But also, Deku and Todoroki both grow in this fight. Yes. Because you just see Deku, like, trying to bring out the best in Todoroki, and Todoroki's just like, why? Like, we're opponents. This makes absolutely no sense mm-hmm. as to why you would be helping me. Mm-hmm. And Deku's like, I would just rather fight you at your best. Yeah. But then also, like, Deku breaking and then re-breaking his fingers. Like, I didn't uh, know that was possible, but the color shift because of it. Yeah, that got me queasy as well. Mm-hmm. That but, was gross. But then also, that, like, just that final showdown between the two of them with, like, the, like, steam explosion and Deku going for that smash, that was intense. Oh, yeah, and the fact that the the two teachers are trying to, like, stop them they're trying to put an end to the fight because of the amount of damage that deku's done to his own body is and not only that but they thought like one of them was gonna accidentally kill the other yeah because they legitimately went all out and that was sick Mm -hmm. like it was just such a badass ending like nothing from that point on like even remotely compared to that no and again just that fight was the main reason i wanted to just push through both seasons Mm -hmm. was just because i wanted to watch that fight again because it's just badass it is yeah and and this is where also you get to see the um establishment of permanent injuries in in our characters because deku acquires his scars that are on his hands for the rest of the show Mm -hmm. because recovery girl is just like look like if this keeps happening like he's not going to be able to fix himself because of how badly he's breaking himself so now he's permanently scarred on both of his arms and hands Mm -hmm. because of the amount of damage he's done to himself. Like his body can't keep up with the regeneration. Yeah. And she actually says that she is going to refuse to heal him if he does that kind of damage to himself again, which obviously we Mm -hmm. know is a lie, but it does like she, she would definitely still heal, still heal him, but it does like, she's putting her foot down to be like, no, you're not doing this again. Well, I also think that, you know, if he did something stupid, like the sports festival fight again, then she would probably refuse to help him. I don't, but if he legitimately got injured in a fight, it would probably be a different story. Yeah, I don't know whether or not she would refuse to help him. I feel like it was just her being, you know, like your mom goes, I'm not going to give you any more band-aids if you keep cutting your fingers open or whatever. And she still gives you band-aids. She's just, you know, very stern about her words. You know, I don't feel like she'd ever actually refuse. Just try to make her words seem more to All Might, I, I think, more than to Deku, to be like, All Might, you have to rein in your student. I'm not doing this again. Yeah, like, you have to teach him. Yeah. And then whilst all of these individual fights are happening, we uh, get to hear about Ida. Um, he gets a phone call st- telling him that his brother has been fighting a villain and got injured. And we don't know the status of anything. We just know that he lost in a fight to a villain. Mm-hmm. And so then... Todoroki advances to the next level. So then it is Bakugo versus uh, Tokuyami, or Dark Shadow, who is adorable. Just saying. He's mm-hmm. really cute. And yeah, that's a really that's a really solid fight as well. Tokuyami is one of those that is incredibly strong, but in specific situations is incredibly weak. Like as, as much of his strength mm-hmm. is, he his weakness is just as strong. And going up against an opponent that's nothing but like light Mm -hmm. in and of itself was again a really poor mismatch considering just how that fight ended was Mm -hmm. 
just a real telling of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you kind of get to see more of him and his ability and the consequences to his abilities. I think in the OVAs, he's shown more. I think there's an OVA where Ida gets, like, they all get collapsed in an underground wall or something like that. And um, and he is surrounded in complete darkness. And you get to see a lot of his um, difficulties with his quirk there. So it's one of those things that is always, again, referred back to. It's not a plot point that just is for now and then isn't later. Which mm-hmm. I also... And I f- Go ahead. I feel like it happens again in season three during the training camp whenever the attack happens. Yeah. I feel like that kind of happens again for the main show if you don't watch the OVAs, which is kind of hard not to watch the OVAs because they're in with the rest of the episodes. Yeah, if you just press play and keep watching, they'll you'll watch them. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But yeah, so then we have the final fight between Todoroki and uh, Bakugo Kachan. And Todoroki is incredibly shaken up and conflicted and emotionally traumatized by his fight with Deku and his understanding and, and thoughts of his history and his past, his father being there, because like his, he actually had physical interactions with his dad. It's a whole exploded amount of emotions in his brain right now, up against the literal explosion, like his quirk is explosion, his personality is explosion, um, Bakugo, and their fight is not what he wanted it to be. And he was pissed yeah. because Bakugo ends up winning because Todoroki will not use his full power no. like he did against Deku. And that pisses him all the way off. Yep. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's a fun time. Yeah, it, there's a lot of humor in it, but I feel like it's, it's a really good humor balance to um, really dark themes. Mm-hmm. Because there are really dark themes throughout this. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I suppose I probably should have put a trigger warning on here for like child abuse, but I didn't consider it. Didn't think of it. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, intense, but like that that's why I feel like the humor throughout is so integral, and mm-hmm. it really does break it up really nicely. Oh, it does for sure. Like everything is very well placed, so I I can definitely appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So then the and tournament is over, everyone is like done their thing, and Todoroki is now going to go visit his mom and like see his mom and, and resolve stuff. Mm-hmm. And then internships as well. Yeah, and them also choosing their superhero names. King Explosion Murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder who that nickname belongs mm. to. Write in the comments who that would possibly I belong know, to. I know. If I had to guess, it's going to be Yayu Rozu without without any shadow of a doubt. Oh, I was thinking or it was Asui. Erotica. Probably Asui. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's Aizawa. <laughs> Kirishima. <laughs> Um, yeah. Also, Aizawa returning to work literally the day after he gets the fuck beaten out of him. Yes. Kudos. Right? He's just, his entire head is bandaged. Uh, but yeah. Like, he, his entire self is bandaged. Like, anything that's supposed to be exposed is bandaged. Yep. Yeah, so then we are introduced to Gran Torino, who was All Might's previous, like, teacher and mm-hmm. is now teaching Midoriya. And Ida is also starting to go a little bit AWOL as well. Yeah, so you find out that Ida's brother, 
was attacked and paralyzed due to the attack. And Ida decides to go AWOL and accepted an internship in the city where his brother was attacked so he can try to get revenge. Yeah, so his brother has been his complete idol his entire life, the same way that All Might was to Deku. And his brother, when he gets attacked, asks Ida to take the name of his of his hero to like pass it on so that he can continue on the good work of the of the hero name. And it's a very emotional time for Ida, and he is so black and white with his own morals that he finds himself incredibly conflicted because he wants to obviously get revenge from what happened to his brother, but mm-hmm. that also doesn't really reflect the way of a hero, but it kind of does because Stain is the hero killer. So mm-hmm. it's it's very... I mean, he's 15, right? So it's like a whole lot of mm-hmm. emotions going through his brain all at once that he doesn't really know how to handle. And he doesn't really have anybody to support him through it at this point. Or he thinks he does in no. any way. Yeah. Because again, when you're an angsty teenager who's dealing with that kind of shit, you're like, I can trust no one. I have to do this on my own. Yes. And finds out very quickly that he is in way the fuck over his head. Mm-hmm. And so whilst that is happening, because Deku is with Gran Torino and he is learning to distribute all for one throughout his body as opposed to only targeting it to a specific area. And not only that, but he's learning to use percentages of it. Yes. So he learns how to just use like 5% of his power, which is, a again, a really cool concept because had it been any other show, they'd have been like, no, nah, full power right off the bat. But this one, no. It's like, okay, I can only use 5%, otherwise I'm going to break myself. Yes. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, really cool. And then we get to see Nomu's back more more crazy insane creatures big fights stain is causing a ruckus um deku gets uh on a train with gran torino and then like the train gets blown up and so then he realizes that he's in the same place as ida so he runs out to go and find him and stain then they have a big old fight scene and deku is smart so he texts his location to all of his buds and todoroki happens to be in the same city so he comes to help out as well big fight scene happens yeah badass fight scene happens yeah to stain his quirk is that if he tastes the blood of an individual he can paralyze them and the more he ingests the more or the longer that they stay paralyzed which is how that he managed to permanently paralyze Ida's brother and almost kills Ida. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, everyone survives and Stain gets knocked the fuck out for the time being. Also, Endeavor absolutely roasts Anomu. Yeah, yeah, and he try he tries to roast one of the Nomus, but then uh, Gran Torino just like destroys it. Yep, <laughs> that's really funny. You're pretty good with that for an old man. It's like. all right cool sure it's uh it's great but then this is where you see society also shift because after stain is defeated they you know all the cops show up and everything else and along with that news shows up as well and stain goes off on a rant about how society's views of heroes are wrong and obstructed and what he's doing is just because heroes aren't you know they aren't the true definition of hero except for all might Mm -hmm. because all might literally does it just to save people he doesn't do it for the money or anything like that he's literally just a hero yeah 
and then subsequently gets, you know, conked the fuck out because I guess he finally accepted his beating. Yeah. Um, but then from here, the tone for the rest of the show shifts because you see society becoming very skeptical, you know, just being very unrestful, but also it leads more people to the League of Villains because they're like, oh, this is a thing now. Yeah, which is how we establish season three. But um, yeah, it's, it, it's also a very interesting element of how the punishment goes for the kids because, of course, they don't have the hero licenses. They went off when things were getting attacked, when the city was getting attacked and these villains were out, and they used their powers to cause harm for another, like towards another person, which is illegal to do because they don't have their hero license so they can't technically get involved but if they hadn't have the original hero native i think his name was that was Mm -hmm. on the scene would have been killed and then ida would have been killed if todoroki and deku hadn't gotten involved deku would have been killed if, if todoroki hadn't gotten involved if all three of them hadn't fought everyone would have been dead right and not only that, but the chief of police is a dog. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> that that humors me so much. I don't, I don't understand why, but something in my brain just got all of the happy juice from that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I know, right? I love anywhere there's a dog, I love. Um, so then it's it's the question of like, how do they how do they move forward with that? Like these kids saved the the community. They took down this huge. Well, they thought that they took down this huge guy. They did, but they also didn't in the way that they thought they did. But they did, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And um, they took down this huge villain, and they're not a, like they they should be punished for it. So they decide to keep it under wraps. Let Endeavor take the credit for capturing Stain and not punish the kids, but suspend their teachers from teaching for six months because they should have had a better rap on their kids. But, or they could have exposed it all. The kids would have been paraded as heroes and then they would have had to have public publicly punished the kids for doing what they did because they acted without their license, right? So mm-hmm. they then decided to, to keep it under wraps and Endeavor took the credit, which is most frustrating for Todoroki considering his relationship with his father. Mm-hmm. Also, we get to see a teeny tiny amount of humor coming from Todoroki and his character is further established with his I'm a hand crusher comment. (laughs) Oh, I love Todoroki so much. He's great. And then we also learn about All for One possibly surviving and being alive. We get a kind of an OVA style episode with the adventures of Froppy. Mm-hmm. And then Midoriya learns about All for One. They have their exams. There's big exam fights. We kind of, I feel like get, I feel like the exams are kind of like OVAs with the other students getting featured throughout a couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. But then that final episode of Deku and Kachan against All Might, that was- a- That's insane. That was a really good character building exercise. Also, Midoriya just smashing- all Might was sick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was an integral part to their relationship building that needed to happen. And it kind of created mm-hmm. the foundation for what's going to happen in season three. Yeah. So can we just can we just drop Sad Boy week next week and just watch season three? <laughs> Honestly, it's tempting. Oh <laughs> uh... Yeah, and then the the last final episode of the season establishes a couple new villains 
and uh, the creepy mole scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Deku is confronted by Shigaraki in a mall, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hey, you know, we're just we're just going cool chat." While he has his hand around Deku's neck, he's like, "I could kill you if I wanted to." Mm-hmm. And we're very very interesting scene. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a very. It's a. It's a lot of dialogue. It's a lot of them figuring each other out as as hero and villain. How their protagonist antagonist relationship is going to work from this point out. Because at this point, Deku has kind of defeated him twice, mm-hmm. but he's also kind of not like neither of them are at their full potential either. So it's an interesting concept, and we're also then uh. S- creating the setup for the next season, which is Summer Camp. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. I'm excited for Summer Camp. Yeah, I'm excited for Summer Camp too. So, seasons one and two, what do you rate them? Season one's a really, really good establishing season, but I feel like some parts of it are kind of stereotypical just because they are an established, like it's an establishing season. Season mm-hmm. two, I feel like, is where it gets really like unique and individual to itself. Um, so I'm going to give season one an eight and season two an 8.5. See, due to the last episode of season one breaking it up or the All Might versus the Nomu fight, Mm -hmm. it kind of brings the rest of season one. I don't know if it's just me being cynical because I've seen it so much. I want to give it like a six and a half or a seven. Mm -hmm. But because of those last couple of episodes and that fight just being like just very integral to the children and all might himself mm-hmm. it's like i can i can bump it up to seven and a half mm-hmm. and then season two very much eight and a half almost kind of verging on a nine because the sports festival was just badass yeah yeah so which of the three ops from this did you like the best oh i'm torn because the first op will always have a special place in my heart but i think the third one is kind of tugging at me as well. You know, I completely agree. I have this weird nostalgia for the first one, even though I don't feel like it was that long ago that I watched the first season. Mm-hmm. But I have this weird nostalgia for it that I really, really like. It's the one that I think of when I think of the theme, or if I hear it, I immediately know it's from this show. But season three, uh, but the the third OP, I actually really like as well. So I'm with you. So, but on that note, though, the second ED takes the cake for everything yeah i just really like it it's like very happy and upbeat and the visuals of it just being the girls was nifty Mm -hmm. because it kind of spotlights them in their own kind of way so it was i don't know it was cool however just go ahead and get it off my chest the first op for season three the odd future one hands down best op in my hero so far I'm excited to listen to that again. It's been a while. It it has been so long, but it's also part of my anime playlist on my phone, so I listen to it all the time <laughs> because it just gets you hyped. Yeah. It's like Janessa and I have talked about with like songs that make you feel like you could fight God. It's one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like pretty much any Queen song is a song that you could fight God listening to. I feel like that about baby metal, too. Yeah. Yeah. Is that... Is that- uh, oh, uh, I did up? actually have, what do you think about the slides at the middle of the episodes where they have the stats on the characters? 
that is, I feel like, very handy for giving info on characters because a lot of times it will actually give you stats on characters that are going to be prominent for the next half of the episode. Mm-hmm. And also, it's just cool to get, like, all the info on characters because it gives you birth date, blood type likes, and dicks likes, and also an explanation of their quirks. So it's a really cool yeah, height as thing well, to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, literally all the info. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. Yeah, I actually really like it. I thought it was a good way for them to give you information on the characters without, like, shoving it down Having your throat. Having to have present Mike, like, just, like, blatantly just beat it into <laughs> yeah. you like it does in the first season. Mm-hmm. Because it kind of gets annoying the way that it kind of happens in the first season. Mm -hmm. And then from this point going forward, like at the start of a new season, instead of it like just blatantly throwing it into your face, it'll like give you a brief description whenever it gives you their name. Yeah. Which is cool. I like that. Yeah. You love to see it. Yeah. I thought it was really good and quite like comic booky. Mm-hmm. Also, I just love how the show is very comic booky in itself. Like whenever they do some smashes or Bakugo does an explosion, you get the boom. Yeah. Yeah. Which just humors me. I'm such a sucker for stuff like that. Yeah, it's really nerdy, this show, and I really like it. Mm-hmm. Also, the interactions during the, like, post-credit preview, mm-hmm. but how it's like, instead of just showing clips of what's going to happen, it's narrated by the characters, mm-hmm. and, like, their own personalities are in it. Mm-hmm. So, it's cool to see. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, those are some just small details that I think really improve the show. Oh, yeah, for sure. Without a doubt. Yeah. Cool. That everything? That's everything. So, if you like the voice that has accompanied me on this <laughs> podcast, you can find Blue on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Blue Lavender. She doesn't stream now. She may get back into it. Who knows? But she does have social media where she posts light updates, life updates, I can speak, <laughs> and art updates on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Lavender STM. Also, if you like doggos, she has an adorable Instagram for her dog Tilly at the best Tilly Bean. Yeah, and if you like Brad, you can find him on Twitch at Brad Carter Gaming. He streams quite often, so be sure to check that out. He does lots of varieties of gaming and he's also got an instagram as well at brad carter gaming he's super easy to find across all of the platforms he's all the same which is really convenient we are also the same we happen to be the same as well at bnb on anime i forgot the anime part bnb anime on all of the social medias you can find us on pretty much everything under that tag you can also Find us on YouTube for all of our previously archived episodes and some handy-dandy thumbnails, comment sections where you can answer all of our questions that we ask throughout the show and just be part of our community. So, um, yeah, you can find us on YouTube at BNB Anime as well. We also have a website, www.bnbanime.com. I just forgot everything right then. You can find us there where we have, again, all of our previous episodes already archived with a button to your favorite listening platform for easy downloads and or you could just download them straight off the, the website if you want to. We also have background information on both Brad and I, our art links, IMDB links, friends of the show, all kinds of fun stuff are on the website. So be sure to check that out. If you're curious, you can also drop us notes in the comment section on our website as well to answer any questions that we may have asked or give your opinions, give recommendations for animes for us to cover in the future, your own thoughts, because like I've said many times before, and I'll keep saying it until we get some qualifications, but we don't have any right now. We have just two idiots that like anime. So if you have different opinions than us, be sure to let us know, because we always love having those open discussions with you guys. Because yeah, we're like, we don't have any qualifications. So if you think that we're completely wrong about something, we want to know why, because you may just sway our opinions. You never know. Exactly. 
So, thank you all so much for listening. Blue and I greatly appreciate it. Next week, it's time for Sad Boy Anime Week with I Want to Eat Your Pancreas. It is an absolutely lovely film about character growth, relationship building, and ultimately how to live while dying. And if you're a fan of reading, I highly recommend checking out the light novel before you watch the film. And for one very specific reason that I will not spoil, but there is a scene in the film that makes just a whole lot more sense and is not nearly as creepy as it comes off if you read the light novel. So check that out, and I look forward to discussing that with you because it's a really good film. I got to go see it in theaters. I think it was shortly after you and I became friends. Mm -hmm, I remember you talking about it. I made a trip back to Chattanooga to watch it in theaters because that was the closest theater to me. So I had to drive fucking three hours Mm -hmm. to go see it. Yeah. But good film. I look forward to watching it again. And also, I may reread it, honestly, if I'm being legitimate here Mm -hmm. because it's a really good read Mm -hmm. if there's a way for you to read it before we sit down and watch the film next week i highly recommend you find it because i think i think you'll enjoy the light novel more than you will the film Mm -hmm. if i'm being honest because the light novel is told from the main character's perspective instead of a like overarching story perspective yeah my i think my brother has a copy so i'll raid his room and see if i can find it if not, I'll find a way to gift you a Canadian copy because the last time I tried to gift it to you, Amazon was like, fuck you. No. This is America, not Canada. Yeah. So that's not happening. Not happening. We'll see. But until then, we'll catch y'all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.